Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 9, I Put My Hot Hand in There, featuring Broadway triple threat and Reiki healer Sarah Meal. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. Um, this is Jimmy here with our super special guest today, Sarah Meal. Hi, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> it's so fun to be here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you. If you're watching at home, Sarah has, gosh, like triple threat. Um, and then she has gosh, so many, so many Broadway show credits to her name. Couple. Um, Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. We have Paramore, Hello Dolly. Um, Sarah got to perform. I can't talk today. I'm tongue-tied. Sarah got to perform with all of the amazing different Dollies. Um, also in the revival of Kiss Me Kate. And if you watch the Tony Awards clip, um, they, it was awesome. Sarah is the one in that like reddish orange that you're like smoldering down at the foot of the stage. Uh, so what um, did I cover it? Did I get them right? Those three, correct? Those are my three Broadway credits. Yes. <laughs> hey, good. I got it. Oh, thank you for, for coming here today. I'm so happy to, to have you. Um, so I'd love to just dive right into it. If, if you feel comfortable starting with, because I'm always asked, like, did you know that you were going to be a medium or did you know you were a medium from an early age? Did you know you had the gene to be a dancer, to be a performer? I love to dance. My mom worked at Disney World. So I had access on Saturdays. I had access to be able to go into work with her. And if I was a good girl, I could go see one parade or, you know, one show. And I always would. So I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And my grandma was a big band singer, Rita. Um, she sang on the bandstand. So jazz ran in my family. So I love music and I love jazz, like classic old, old standards, yes. 1940s, everything is my favorite. So um, that was where, that's where the jeans part kicks in yeah. is old Rita, my, my grandma. But other than that, the dancing was all me. <laughs> How early did you get into dance? Um, when I, before I was potty trained. I wanted to dance and my mom said, you can't, you cannot dance unless you're potty trained. And so that kicked me into shape. It's funny that you mentioned the potty training because yesterday um, I interviewed a guest who will be coming on and she talked about how she started singing in church and she was, she like, they broke the rules and they allowed her in at three when she was supposed to be like five or six, but they're like, look, is your kid potty trained? Because if she's potty trained, she can sing in the choir. So they like, she potty trained really fast or she already was that way that she could start. So I, I love that potty training is the gateway. Like I wish I had a story being like, I wasn't allowed to contact spirits until I was potty trained or something like that. <laughs> you also work in Reiki. So if you're watching at home, I'm just going to turn it over to Sarah. Cause I'd love if you could fill us in a little bit more about how you got into that. Um, what it entails, you know, what that looks like working with a client. Because I remember the first thing I told you when I emailed you was like, I feel like you can see energy and color around you all the time. And then it kind of spring, you know, turned into the, you know, the cool discussion on it. So yeah, go, go for it. Okay. Well, I got into Reiki two or three years ago. I went to California to do a show and I was getting a massage and while I was 
getting the massage, um, my masseuse, who is now my Reiki master, her name is Heather. She's wonderful. She touched me and we had like a kind of energy happen. And she said, oh my God, you're ancient. That was what she said to me. You're ancient. And I, I said, yes. And uh, she was like, I know you came here for a massage. Can I give you Reiki? And I said, I have no idea what that is. Um, I like you. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and I will, I trust you. Yeah. So she, she laid her hands over me in different parts of my body, um, which I now know are my seven chakras. And she gave me all of her universal healing energy. And that's what Reiki is in a nutshell. So uh, your client comes in, they lay down. And as a Reiki specialist, I guess I could, a Reiki specialist, uh, you, you lay your hand. So I've been given this universal healing energy that um, I went through almost like this ancient ritual to obtain. And what, it, what I now have is this like, in, well, and I always already kind of was like this. So my hands get hot when I lay them over things or people or things that have energy, any, anything with energy, a plant, um, a person. And I can give you my healing goodness in energy. And what, what you do is you lay your hands um, on certain chakras of your body. And there are seven. They start with your very low parts um <laughs> that's kind of like, <laughs> yeah that's kind of like your sexual energy and then you have family and then all the way up there's a chakra that kind of covers each part of us that gives us a theme of uh, our life um the last one being like higher intuition spirituality but this one is the one that i had an issue with a lot and it was my throat chakra the need to speak the uh speaking my truth and mm -hmm this one was very blocked for me. So sometimes as you are raking a person or as I am being raked, uh, sometimes I want to cry. Sometimes there's an emotional, you know, there might be a breath or what it is, is you're trying to release the basically like mud in your chakras. You want them all to shine and be clear and, and we get blocked, things get blocked. So it's kind of like cleaning out the filter of your air conditioner. Um, and when you're, when your seven chakras are kind of in alignment and clear and not blocked, then you can be your best self. Um, Reiki also heals injuries and headaches and things that ail you. Um, it's helped my cramps. It's helped my knees. It's helped my staph infection. Um, it's kept things at bay. And they even say, you know, if you break a bone, don't Reiki before you set it because Reiki starts healing immediately. So Heather, my Reiki specialist, she introduced me to Reiki. And from that point on, I just went back twice a week because I had so many blockages. I was so heavy. It was a hard time in my life. And I was going through a lot of pain and she helped me. And as she was giving me Reiki, you know, it, it's beautiful. There are essential oils, there are crystals involved, depending on what your specialist may want to give you. Um, you know, you could have music playing or sometimes there's a, a sound bowl happening. And so I'm kind of meditating and I've had these beautiful dreams and be, or beautiful visions. Um, I, I've learned things that I didn't know before as I was meditating, as I was receiving Reiki. 
And so for me, it was a no brainer that one day I might want to get Reiki certified myself, because if I could help someone the way she helped me, and I already have that feeling where I can touch someone and know what they're dealing with, know what demon they might have with them in terms of, you know, a heartbreak or something they're carrying that doesn't serve them. I can feel that already. I'm, I've always been that way. And this felt like my next way of helping. So I became, she, Heather, gave me um, Reiki, a Reiki certification, which entails like this very ritualistic, ancient, you know, I, I can't even say what it is because it's so sacred. Sure. Uh, but it was intense. And the ringing in my ears afterward lasted, which is a side effect, months. Um, and now I'm able to give Reiki to people who need it. And um, for a really long time, I didn't charge anyone because I just wanted to practice. Kind of like how you said, being a medium, you want to build the skill to make it stronger. And I didn't want to make anyone pay for me to practice. So I reiki all my friends and I'm a dancer. I'm a chorus girl. So I have a lot of friends with a lot of stress, anxiety, and hurt. You know, pain from their ankle, pain from their knee. I recently just reiki one of my best friends at her house and she had broken both of her feet in the past two years. As I got down to her feet, I was so dizzy and my hands were so hot that I fell backwards. <laughs> so, it's, it can be intense or it can be just pleasant. It depends on where you are that day and what your body's going through. It's a beautiful, beautiful ritual. And it was created in the 19, I think 30s or 40s. And um, it's really changed my life. And I have a long way to go. I'm, I'm two or three years old with it. So I have a very long way, a very long journey ahead of me where I want to get better and improve. So that's Reiki in a nutshell. I'm trying to think if I, if there's anything I didn't cover, I'm, I'm sure there is, but I do you have anything to add to me? I love that you called it an air conditioning filter because I call our chakras an elevator shaft. And I say, it's like, you've got seven different floors of the elevator. And I said, you don't want blockages. I said, you want the cables to be able to go up and down freely, the energy. Um, but it's funny as a medium, while I don't do Reiki work, they will identify which chakras are blocked. And then, so if you're watching at home, so and if you've been read by me before, or um, if you've been, I will, many times that's my way into understanding something. So for example, um, if they start taking um, the solar plexus, AKA the belly area, and I see that it's blocked, for me, that signifies um, trust issues, self-doubt issues. So sometimes that's a nice way in, a gentle way of going, rather than you know them saying, talk about their trust issues, or you know I, I might say, I feel like your solar plexus um, is blocked a little bit. Or not to be gross, but um, one time they, they had highlighted the sacral chakra area. And I was like, um, I just, again, it was the clear knowing. I went, are you starting to go through menopause early? And she was like, yes. So they'll use that sometimes as a, a way for me. Throat chakra is probably the most common one that I see as blocked when I speak with people because they'll show me a traffic jam between the head and the heart. And it's really clear here and it's really clear here, but when it tries to come out, it gets jammed. So no, I think you said it best. I mean, I, I learned a lot hearing you talk about it. And, um, but yeah, I, it's it's... 
I always, before I do a reading, I will sage out all my chakras just to make sure, especially my crown chakra, because, you know, if, if you're watching at home, the crown chakra, which is, which is the very tippy top up here, it is, it's the source of um, where we get our you know, our higher consciousness from. And when, you know, you meditate, you, you typically visualize, I visualize it. It sounds so corny at home, like a little lotus petal that I open it up and I try to receive as much white light as I can to really clear this out and feel like the, the Wi-Fi connection, so to speak, is good. And then I'll always really try to clear out my third eye chakra. So um, again, if you're watching at home and you're not familiar, mediums, if they are clear, um, clairvoyant, we're utilizing our third eye, which looks like um, you're watching a movie. And many times people will be clear audience at home and they're not aware of it, but I'll ask them, I'll go, do you see things sometimes like while you're driving? And you'll know how the rest of your night's going to go. Or do you like envision things while you're driving and then it happens and they're like, Yes. Why did you say that? I'm like, because when we're driving our eyes, we're not focusing here, here, or we're not looking down. We're actually looking when we're on the road, we're looking past. And that's technically where the third eye is located. So um, driving is some of the best times, like though I prefer a client to come to the studio when I do have to go to them, it's a great wake up for my third eye because it kind of gets that gunk out and it gets it moving. So that's my, I guess my experience with it, but um I would love to, oh gosh, from there, I, I want to pick your brain because, you know, you talked about, I know with, with, um, with swinging into a show, um, I remember when we, I read you, we were talking about how you could sense the different energy off the castmates and how you work with that. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? What that feels like? Yes. Well, first of all, I think the more you're with people, the more you can sense them um and that's obvious no, no matter a person new or old when you're in a dressing room with a group of people or backstage with a group of people you're in a confined place with them so it feels like everything gets more intense and um also remember we're in these old theaters there's a lot of energy already in the theater there's a lot of life that's been lived there's a lot of recycled energy which, you know, so it may not be haunted, but it may have just like an energy that keeps moving through in the same repetitive pattern because it's stuck somehow or first. And I'm really interested in that. And so that's there in the dressing room on top of all these new women who are in the dressing room, maybe for, uh, you know, Kiss Me Kate, we, we were only there for six months. But think of all of the people and all of the, you know, the past hundred years that have been in these old basement dressing rooms. So it, it almost feels like it all compounds and compacts and, and it makes it all more intense. So when I'm in those situations, I can feel things more so. And I think it's because the lack of sun, the lack of outside sources, we don't get Wi-Fi. We aren't getting <laughs> like yeah. enough water. And it kind of just makes it all very obvious. And that's part of it. So now the part of it that is interesting to me, the Reiki part of it is when I am in the dressing room, and I'm next to someone, I can, they burn if they are, I can feel like a sizzly burn feeling if they are not okay with themselves or with me or with anyone. If something's off, I cannot even focus. We also are looking into a mirror. Can't even focus, can't even, it, it is, it's so intense that I have to say, are you okay? How can I help, you know? Um, and then of course you go on stage 
and people carry everything with a more heightened, oh my godness, when they get to the stage because you're in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, there's an anxiety th that comes with that, um, that expresses anything, any emotion that you might have. So for instance, if I'm feeling a little bit hungry, but I go on stage, that feeling of hunger, because of my adrenaline and anxiety that's mixed in, hungry is my <laughs> theme. Um, so when I started to go on stage, um, as I was swinging in to Kiss Me Kate on Broadway, and I also swung Hello Dolly for, I think I swung Hello Dolly for a couple months, um, maybe six months. With both shows, with each person, you're touching them. And I I'm very sensitive to touch. So I'm touching a new person who maybe doesn't know me or maybe doesn't trust me. And it's the first time I can feel that. <laughs> I can straight up feel exactly what they think about me um, or what they're thinking in general. One day I was waiting to go on stage and a friend of mine was in front of me and I couldn't see him and I walked up behind him, but I could feel that he was sad. He was sad and he was just, his back was facing me and I hugged him and he cried and cried and cried and cried before we went on stage. He just, I knew and he realized that I knew and I just put my arms around him and I hugged him from the back and he just let out this release. I think there's something about First of all, being a dancer for a living, we are so emotional. Our physical body is so tied to our emotional state. And there's such a release that comes with being um, a physical person. If there's something bothering you, it's harder to keep it in when you're a dancer because we're dancing things out. And so you're, does this make sense? The emotion that? is, it needs to come out. Yeah. So it all becomes very clear when I touch someone on stage and I'm dancing with their one hand, I'm like, this person doesn't trust me or this person loves me and I feel connected and this is beautiful. And this is, oh, wow. I love dancing with this person, you know, but there, or we're together, we're, we're in it. You can feel the differences. And when it's a negative thing, things start to spiral down and I can see it, feel it. It's happening. Maybe we mess up, but it, it like gets me nervous when they, when I feel what they're feeling. So swinging was really hard for me. It was a big challenge. And sometimes it was the best challenge. Sometimes it was wonderful and beautiful. And I felt so proud of myself. And then there were some days that were really hard because, you know, I could feel like that, <sighs> the swings on mentality. And that's really hurtful and hard, but that's my job and I can't be someone else. So they just have to deal with it. But we get the, that sometimes too. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I will have a, a client that will come in and they'll sit down in front of me. And like, like you said, I will get the energy off them right away that they don't trust me or they're already going in skeptical. And the one time I called her out right away because I could just tell if I didn't call her out, her energy was going to be not so fun. So it was a, a very humanizing way of just getting to know her. And I looked at her and I started writing notes and I'm like, you think this is a crock of shit, don't you? And she stopped and like her face kind of contorted. And she was like, um, <clears throat> um, well, you know, and gradually she kind of it leaned into a yes, but it was more like a, I've just, I've never been to a medium before, so I don't know what to expect. And I'm, it was almost like I had to do that to reorient her because otherwise it was probably gonna be, she was gonna go in there like a grump, you know what I mean? And, and exactly, 
and yeah. um, it was going to change it. And and we get the exact, I loved how you said it. So mediums as well. I didn't, I never thought of that. We sense heat off of, we like heat energy off of things too. So sometimes if I <clears throat> hear something, but I really want to make sure I will put my hands out and I will say, okay, this side, if you can just give me a little bit of affirmation, this side would be a yes to what I just asked. This would be a no. And sometimes I'll sense the heat in it. And like, it's not like, a eh, could it be this side? Or it's always a clear, like heat rushes into the left or the right. And, and then I'll know. But like when you had talked about giving him the hug from behind and somebody will ask me like, how did you know that? Right. When I came in, like you didn't even start reading yet. I say that like it, I use the expression, it hangs on us, like energy, pain, things like that hang on us if we don't release it. And it, it to me, it almost looks like a piece of clothing that's on a person. Um, if it's like um, depression, if it, it will feel like a big old lumpy sweater, you know what I mean? Insecurity, like it, it, it's a way that I can, I can sense it. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, um, and I, I so hope I didn't, I didn't cut you off. And if there were you, were you going to add something to it? I'm so sorry. Well, I, I just kept thinking of, um, Jacob Marley's chains in, uh, Christmas in, in that same way it's baggage. You know, you, yeah. in a Christmas carol, you carry baggage or, uh, in this case he had a chain or a lumpy sweater, but it, it's something that's almost tangible. It's like when they say, there's a reason people say, you know, you can cut silence with a knife or those little sayings that lend you to acknowledge the fact that sometimes things are palpable. Um, and I know when someone's really hurt, I, this is new for me since quarantine, when, when I'm around someone who needs something and I can tell that they're needing love, support, my hands start tingling like the heat, the energy wants to find them. It wants to go towards, I want to, I want, it's coming through my hands. And, or I went through a period of time in California right after my Reiki journey began, I was working with a bunch of children and I would, they all wanted to hug and I'm not someone to ever turn down a hug. But as I was hugging these kids, I would pick up all of their feelings as I would hug them. And I don't think it was because I'm just special. I think it was because I was just like, my channel was clear. And I think anyone could have that if their channel is clear enough. I was having Reiki twice a week. I was meditating. I was going to yoga every day and I was happy. Um, you know, I was finding like glimpses of joy in each day. And I would hug the kids and pick up their, a lot of them was like desperate. Like, you know, they were, we were doing a show and it was like a lot of like, Hey, Sarah hugs. And it was just a lot of like desperation. Sometimes it was like, um, not confident, just sad. Oh, it, it would break my heart. And so I, I had to go to stage management and say, can we please refrain from some of the hugging? It's making me really emotional. Cause I would hug someone and pick up like a thing that happened maybe at home, like with parents, like maybe something bad it was a lot. And, um, and I, of course, I just seemed like the callous New Yorker in California who didn't want to hug the kids, but it, it wasn't that it was that I was it's having a, a really hard time. Um, my energy, so it would become whatever theirs was. And I couldn't hold my own ground 
and I still struggle with that. And I can imagine that that would be hard for you as a medium to not take that away, to not take my story home with you after you've read me, to not carry, you know, my grandpa and my, my dead aunt home with you from the other side, which I know happened. So I can only imagine how tricky it is because I know I carry whatever happened in the theater, whatever I felt, I carry that home. You know, ones are even I don't work. even think it's, I don't think it's even like a Reiki thing. I just think it's like a, we're dancers, we're moving, we're together, we're sharing space, we're breathing in each other's faces. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, I cut you off. Um, no, what's even harder is when you pick up on the energy that's so similar to your painful experience. So sometimes I will be shown a mirror when I'm doing a reading and if it's something and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I know where we're going with this. I'll be shown something. And then I get the mirror image and like, you know, I'm grateful that I've gone through it. So I can say, you know what, I'm going to straddle the line right now between medium, what they want me to share. And then just as a human that went through this experience, but those are the ones that stick with me. If, if it's something that I have struggled with to learn and, 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 and to grow from, those are hard. And you said it best, like, <clears throat> You've got to cut yourself off after a point. Other, you know, you you can't take it home with you. Um, and I, I I gotta go back to something that you said earlier because, uh, you know, if if people are watching at home, about charging for readings, charging for Reiki work, and how you know when you're kind of starting off, um, it might it might be like I don't know if I feel comfortable charging for this, or I'm just gonna do this so I can get the experience, and and that's wonderful, but. It's funny after after a while you you do have to accept you know um, you do have to there has to be some type of exchange because it's an energy exchange you know if not careful and it's you get it if it's I'm gonna keep doing this for you there's I won't lie there's the tendency where like I have my friends are very respectful of it and they 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 don't really I will offer insight but and and if I had friends though, that were all kind of like emotional leeches and we're like, can you read this for me? Can you read this? Can you read this? It's an energy exchange. It's the same as if you weren't a medium and you're just constantly being that friend that's taking somebody, um, driving them around everywhere. Eventually your car is going to run empty on gas. You know what I mean? It's the same, same thing spiritually where you're like, I'm whooped. So there does have to be, because that's a good one. I didn't even think of it explaining it that way, but it, but it's the same thing. I mean, you, after a while, you're going to say, Hey, cheap ass, give me some money for gas. If I'm driving you around all the time, it has to be an exchange. You know what I mean? So if you, if you're watching at home and you're like, well, why, why does a medium, why does a medium charge? Like what they do? Why does the Reiki? It's also a specialty. You know what I mean? Like you are, um, when people ask, I, I trained, you know, you trained, I, and, um, you know, I am very proud of, of, of my training. Um, I think there's a real temptation to fall into, and I, I don't get me wrong. I love it. I love that on YouTube, you can learn how to like build a deck or do something for technology. When it comes to mediumship and Reiki work, you really have to work with a human one-on-one, -on -one, you know what I mean? Or in a group to really get that sense of even remote is still great. You know what I mean? Like you can tap in, but you've got to be working with somebody that is skilled in what they're doing and they can teach you the do's and don'ts. You know, there's a lot of things in mediumship that can go wrong if you're not careful, um, opening yourself up to bad energy, spooky energy. You know, that was the very first thing that I learned when I trained at Lilydale was she said, rule number one, 
you're in charge of the of the of the entire experience you are in charge she's like spirits are not in charge she's like if you don't like what you're getting you tell them to stop she's like you set the ground rules for what you're going to be shown for who comes through so i i think you know if if um, you know, sometimes I'll hear of younger people that are like, I think I'm going to get into it and just read a book on, or, um, or, um, excuse me, read a, like a, a, watch a YouTube video. I'm like, be careful with that. You know what I mean? There, there, you do have to be a little cautious of how you're getting your information and, and who you're allowing to train you, so to speak. And, um, which, okay. So I guess going there, can we talk, if, is there anything you feel comfortable sharing about your reading? Cause I read you now what, two weeks ago, a week ago. <laughs> One. It was one week ago. It has already, it stuck with me. It was so, I left there like glowing. I was so happy to have met you and now have you in my, you know, group of people that I can, you know, call a friend and. First of all, that was up to date. The most important thing that's happened for me. That, that reading changed my life and I've never been read before. I'm so happy it was with someone who understands how important this information is and how fragile we are when we're receiving it. And you took care, you showered us in a white light of energy. It felt safe, it felt controlled. Um, and that I will always be thankful for because it changed my life. So a bunch of, okay. So like, there's so much to share and <laughs> situated. Okay, my favorite thing that I keep coming back to and I keep thinking about it. Now I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start before our reading. Sure. My whole life, I'm an only child. My whole life, I have felt alone. And sometimes it feels really like, oh, woe is me. Like, oh, I'm alone in the world and I, I am aware that there are people that have bigger problems than not having a brother or sister or, you know, someone close, but I've always had this feeling that something was missing. I had something taken away from me or something was missing that I was supposed to have. And so I really couldn't put my finger on this sorrow and I've been feeling it all my life. It almost feels like I'm missing um, a certain soulmate or something that was supposed to be my life. And when we had our reading, one of the most important things you said to me that I, and I can't remember if my guides told you or if this, the spirit told you his self, but that I was directly, 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 that makes it even more powerful. This person spirit, sorry, the spirit that was missing from my life was supposed to be my brother. And for whatever reason, it, he wasn't able to come but I have always dreamt, always. And maybe had waking, very confusing early age, I thought I had a brother. And I used to ask my mom, did I have a little brother? And she, for a while, said yes. And then she was saying no, I was very confused. I think she tried to either play a trick on me or she felt confused. This is all such a hazy, distant memory, almost like something I've blocked out and, and I have revisited for, you know, a couple different times, a few different years in the past that I was supposed to have a little brother. Um, and I even like, I can see him in my head. I can see what he looks like. I can, he looks a lot like me, you know, but he's younger and he's 
playful and fun and we giggle. And I have all these dreams about this brother that who's talked to me in dreams, told me information in dreams. And Jimmy told me that I, I was supposed to have this brother and that he he's with me. And he's with me when I cook, which is my thing. That's like my thing that I do by myself. You know, it reminds me of family. And sometimes it's sad because it reminds me of the family I don't have, but the family I wanted or the family I want. And, um, and don't get me wrong. I have two parents and I, like my mom's my best friend and we have a relationship and it's not that I am an orphan, but that I was just supposed to get this person that I didn't get. And knowing that it was, so I guess, Jimmy, if you want to, you know, talk about what my brother said to you or what, you know, like how that came through, maybe that would help our audience. Are we talking about, oh, uh, are we talking about the part two part? Um, we, I want to share that too. So the, yeah. The part about his name, is that what you're referring to? Part, well, I was just, I didn't know like, exactly how he came through to you or like what? Sure. Um, so here's the one thing too, when you're watching at home, it's really interesting. They, if, if you're watching, they do grow up in spirit on the other side. So I felt like he would have been somebody close in age to you, but sometimes they'll do this. They'll snap kind of like how like everyone on, um, you know, um, TikTok or, you know, the, the, the splice videos. And then when you look again, he was super cute. He had like a lightish brown hair. Some spots seemed a little bit darker than others. And he had on a striped t-shirt and he had on jeans. And I didn't even tell you that that last time, but he looked almost like the little boy from, uh, it's going to sound so dark and I don't mean it that way. He just looked like the little boy from it. He looked like Georgie from the new movie, super cute running around. And okay. You have to refresh my memory. Cause I remember part two, but what was, what did he say? Because I, well, let me go there first. Um, Cause it's like, as a medium, we're like the telephone. We don't remember what we say sometimes because we're just the conduit that relays it. But I distinctly remember he gave me a name and, and then you're like, well, that's funny. You're like, that's, that's my, that's my husband's name. And I'm like, and I was second guessing. And then he sucker punched me, meaning like, you better say this. And I remember I asked you, I was like, do you want to be a mom? And cause they showed me an X on the timeline, which means it's happening. Like I, I can promise it. And you said, yes, really bad. And I remember hearing him go, I will be back. And he showed me him getting onto a slide. Like one day he will come back. And it was the most beautiful thing. Like he made me feel without a doubt, he's going to come back and that's going to be your kid one day. So the relationship that you didn't have with him as a brother, you will have with him as your son. And how interesting then that the same name that he gave me was your husband's name. And I'm like, you never know. Maybe they want to honor. Maybe, maybe you guys will want to honor your husband's name and keep it a part of, you know, of, so there's, it's always the most surprising ways that, that they come out and, and relay things. Yeah. I, it's so beautiful to me. I think it's hilarious that you were like Edward, because that's literally my husband's name. Uh, and I love the thought of, I, first of all, I believe in reincarnation. I believe that we um, come to earth in like soul clusters so that we keep kind of reincarnating with the same people over and over again, but we just have different roles and we play different parts. Uh, I, I love that idea. And I, 
believe it wholeheartedly because I can look at certain people in my life and be like, you were my teacher, you were my friend, you were a lover, but in this life, you're my friend. Yes. And you're also a girl, you know, <laughs> like whatever it was. Um, and do I always share this with them? No. Have I? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that in, in, you know, this, this brother that I didn't get to have is going to come back still as my family. And I love that until then he, you, um, you told me, he said that he will be with me cooking. He's with me when I cook and he, yes. it, he loves the way it's, he's like, it smells so good in there. Yes, yes, yes. Cause I remember I got some, so they'll, sometimes they'll do that. They'll give us this clear, um, we'll smell things pretty strongly. So if somebody smoked, we'll smell smoke. The one time I smelled basil on pizza and like mozzarella, and sometimes I'll smell coffee, things like that. So they'll do what they have to. Um, first off, you hit the nail on the head too. I describe it, reincarnation is almost like American Horror Story where Ryan Murphy has the same set of actors that will be on every season, but as different parts and different roles. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'm going to answer this because sometimes I get asked a question a lot about, and it's heartbreaking when you bring forward a child that was brought into the world and passed away at four years old or five years old. And one of the main reasons why a medium is gonna say, not to misspeak for, to speak for all mediums, but for myself, I always say like, you'll hear them go like, well, that's not fair. What could, they couldn't have learned everything that they needed to learn by five years old. And I go, exactly. So, however, when they come through in a reading and they take tons of hands and they lock them and like interlock them, that means, as horrible as their passing and painful as it was, sometimes people come here as a catalyst for other people's growth. That's you know what I, what I mean? It. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, oh, oh, a baby died young or something. Yeah, that's so sad. But sometimes it was, they didn't come for them. They came from someone in their soul cluster that needed to learn a lesson or needed to grow through that pain or something like that. And I think- knowing that my brother was supposed to be here and wasn't is one of my lessons in life that I have to bear all I, I'm dealing with a lot in my family. You know, there's a lot going on. It's COVID. Sure. I'm dealing with it alone. And yes, I have my husband, but I am, I don't have siblings to talk to about this. And I don't have, I didn't grow up with like that built-in support system. And I've had to find that on my own and it's made me a stronger person. And I think because of that, I have done the things I've done. And now I'm a teacher slash, I try to like life coach my kids um, when I teach dance to, to help them better themselves in that way so that they can be stronger. So I definitely don't think that we're always put on earth for us. And that I actually like really need to say this out loud because I don't know if I ever have, ever since I started believing in reincarnation, and by believing, I mean reawakening my, something that has always made sense to sure. me because I grew up religious because of my family. I, I have this great feeling that this life, I was not put on earth for me and it's making the way my life is happening easier for me because I know that I'm here for a few other people mm -hmm. to, to be, I'm here mostly to help them grow Am I going to grow too? Oh yeah. yeah. But I think that there are certain people on earth that I'm put here to help them grow. And my lot in life might not be the perfect ideal experience that I wanted it to be, but knowing that I might come back next time better 
with a different circumstance and a different situation, knowing that makes this time okay. Yeah. It makes oh. it okay. You're you're like, you are such a light. I love talking to you. Um, you know, the way that you said that about, it might not be about me. I'm, I mean, I, my great grandmother just passed away, um, what, a couple months ago from, um, just old age. You know what I mean? What a badass! She had COVID. She was asymptomatic. She beat it. It's interesting though. She had been really not with it for years, you know, um, and sometimes I would hear our family members go like, you know, not, not, not in a rude way, but they're like, why is she still here? Like, why doesn't, why doesn't God call her home or, you know, and my answer to that is again, just like somebody can be taken off the earth for a short period of time to help as a catalyst. Sometimes we're here for a really long period of time as a catalyst for other people. Um, so if you are, you know, this person's daughter, and there are things that, you know, I, I, I won't go into it too much, but if they know that by hanging on here for a while is going to also challenge you and push you, it's, they're going to do what they can to help you map out the lessons that you put on your plate before you got here. So I, I can equate this to Dolly Levi in Hello, Dolly. She was, I feel like that show made a lot of sense to me Yes, because she was put there to be a catalyst for change in all these different areas. She had her hand in a lot of businesses to help them grow. She even says at the end, you know, um, what's the point of having money unless you can spread it around to help new young things grow. Um, and I think that spoke to me so prolifically because I wanted to be like her in the way that she, she gave people chances. She gave, um, she, she introduced love to people, you know, she kind of match made people. She kickstarted their business. She, she, she kind of was everywhere, but yeah. not that she wasn't really doing much for her. Did she have a great life? Yes, she did. She had already had the love of her life. He had passed on and now she was living this next phase of her life to give back to others because she had already felt what that was like to be at peace with herself. And so I want to be, that's kind of like my favorite thing about Dolly, about doing the show was I learned that that's how I want to be. I want to be like Dolly Levi in that way. I want to introduce people to each other and, and, you know, start new businesses, like help people grow their business, contribute to a, a new business, you know, just do stuff to help others because I can not that I have like money bags, but I can, I can support yeah. someone. I have a platform to speak on a lot of people's behalfs. Again, not that I have such a huge platform, but I do have a mouth and I can use my words. And there are people who will hear me. Hello, Dolly. That show is so in touch with so many spiritual principles. And, and you know, at the end of act one, I remember sitting there, I was like front row watching Bette Midler. And I won't lie, I knew nothing about the show. I'd never seen the movie. I didn't, and I didn't want to watch it before I went in there. And I remember crying at the end of act one, when she's giving the monologue. Cause if you're, if you're watching from home and you don't remember so well, or if you've never seen it, Dolly will frequently stop and talk to her deceased husband, um, Ephraim. And at one point, you know, she talks about how she has been kind of in this coma state, you know, and her way of living. And then I remember the line that to say it will make my hair stand up. I have goosebumps right now. And she says like, I'm, 
I would like to rejoin the human race. And then she says, I want you to give me away. And I remember like just crying and as a medium, that's what I strive to do when I reconnect people with their loved ones on the other side, because they go through this period of time where they, they very much, even in 2020 right now, there's like the, the pandemic, the feeling of isolation and not tying in with the human race and so badly wanting to rejoin it at some point, but not knowing how and praying that like our loved ones will come through to help us get back into it. That moment, it's, you know, there's certain theatrical memories I have that are kind of branded up here where I can remember everything about that moment. It's like it downloads into like a hard drive. And that moment will always be one that, that has stayed with me. Um, I guess while we're on the topic of Dolly really quick, can you talk about, I mean, I would have, I would have lost my shit like every night, like in like getting to perform alongside Bernadette Peters, Bette Midler, like Donna Murphy, like, can you talk anything fun that you can share about them for, for the folks at home? Yes. Um, well, first of all, I joined, thank God I joined as the vacation swing, um, within the first three months because I was so busy learning all of these girls, uh, you know, like learning 12 tracks of 12 women that I had to, you know, go on for at any moment. I didn't have time to freak out. Like I didn't have time to like the way I would fangirl now, (laughs) I didn't have time to do, um, because I, I had three days and I was on stage. So I hadn't met Donna or seen Donna before I was on stage with Donna. My first show was a Donna show and Donna and I hit it off. Donna Murphy is, I love her. I love her. I were like, you know, I talked to her on Instagram a lot. (laughs) Um, she, I feel like the most close to her and I feel like we had a special connection and maybe um I think she's spiritually very connected as well and she could we had like a line like an energy line running between us and you know of course there are people that you have that with and then people who you maybe don't have that with and that's okay too um okay so that was Donna then I had bet for the other let's see bet did we do eight shows a week Donna did one so bet did the other seven and um Bet at first couldn't tell me apart from there's another girl on the show that looked a lot like me. And I was sometimes there and she was confused. So when I was on stage, they would tell her, but then when I got on stage, she like, look at me, like, who are you? <laughs> I think one time she might've said it. <laughs> and but then of course, as I, I ended up getting my own track in the show, um, after six months, I, someone left and I took their track and then I did my own track every night and that's when Bet and I she well first Bet left so then I had Bernadette so I didn't I felt like I didn't really get to know Bet that well the first six months although we did have a talk about our bunions because we both have really big bunions on our feet uh, <laughs> and she was funny she was always lovely and pleasant but like you don't get a lot of her you know one time she was like you're sitting on my purse and I was like I'm sorry that was like we were on stage um <laughs> Okay, so fast forward six months later, I joined the show full time and so does Bernadette. And Bernadette, first of all, I named my confirmation name was Sarah Catherine Bernadette Neal. <laughs> that was my confirmation name. Didn't tell her till she left the show because I was embarrassed. But 
I was so obsessed and in love with Bernadette. Like, I love her. Oh, I, I love her so much. So I was like, hey, hey, Bernadette. Like before I had even met her, I like asked her a question. I was like, Bernadette, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me like, who are you? She was so nice and lovely. And Bernadette has a special connection with animals. Um, she, she runs Broadway Barks. She created it, um, which does a lot of great things for animals in the community, but mostly it's um, an adoption place for, for doggies that need to get adopted. And she does a lot of good work and she, she is does. her own Dolly Levi in the same way that Bette Midler is also actually Dolly Levi. She really does do a lot of charity work, benefit work. She, she does beautification for New York City. I mean, she's everywhere. All of these women, same with Donna, all of them give back. And weirdly, all of them have had a very large loss. Like us, uh, they've all suffered. They've all lost someone that they loved who is very close to them. So they all have pain that they could pull from. Um, and I think that's something to be said that all those three women that got to do the show had all been through something hard and they could access that on stage and they were brave enough to. Yeah. Um, Bernadette was awesome. She had us over to her beautiful house. She had us out. She took us out to breakfast. You know, we, we did things with Bernadette. We, she took us out and, and, that was really special. And I, I have this relationship with all three of these awesome women who it's changed my life. They've changed everyone's life. Watching Bette Midler on stage is a masterclass on energy transfer. Yes. So one of the things I love about theater and that I know you'll be able to relate to as a medium is that when you are performing for an audience, you have them, you're giving them energy and they are giving back energy. And it's this constant push and pull. It's like, again, like a cord, like a spinal cord or like a umbilical cord stretching across the pit and you have them and you reel it in and then they take it back and they laugh and then you reel it in and that's what you want. I have never seen it executed so perfectly, so bravely and beautifully than the way Bet can master an audience. I felt like every night was a masterclass and I was lucky enough as the swing for six months to watch out from the front, how it was done. Yeah. And I spent the next, you know, the other couple months from behind her as every part on stage, as she was my vantage point from 12 different parts on stage, seeing how that, how that's done. A true lesson in not just performing, but in energy. Watching her eat the turkey, you know, the turkey leg, I remember distinctly going, this is someone who knows she has you eating out of the palm of her hand the entire night. She knows how much you need, when you're going to get it, when you're full, when you're hungry again. It was, I remember that was the first thing when I, when I, when I called home to, to say, like, I was raving about it. Like, I was like, I felt like I needed the show. It came to me at the, as an audience member at the, the very perfect time. That was the first thing that stuck out with me. It was joyous and just Bette Midler knew how to, it was very different than stage presence. This wasn't a stage presence thing I was talking about. This was a energy transfer. You said it best. And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you were stuck as a ghost in a theater and could only see one show literally for all of eternity, what would you pick? Into the Woods. Somebody else said that. I want to say um, Jason from, from Phantom mentioned that. And it's, 
with the original, like that we we're like with yeah, the original, original. there's with like Bernadette. Bernadette, no yeah, exceptions. Absolutely. Because here's the thing, Sondheim does what no one could do, which is he can, every time you hear the words, you pick up something different that you missed before that is triggering you at that time. So I could watch that show over and over. And each time there would be something else that I was like, that's affecting me today. Yeah. But that didn't affect me yesterday. Something else did. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good choice. Um, who, which character that you've played in the past, um, do you think would, or any character that, of a show that you've been a part of that would benefit most from seeing a medium? <laughs> ah! Right. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I can't like, of course, in this instance, I can't think of any time that I ever had a role um, in a show, but like I have. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, I think that maybe um, when I was in Can Can, which never came to Broadway, but was supposed to. Was that City Center? That was at Paper Mill, but I'm actually changing my mind. Nixing. Okay. Okay, so Secret Garden, which was supposed to come to Broadway, but still hasn't yet. And we're still hoping for that. It'll get um, there. Yes, I was playing the role of cholera, which has never been played as a person before. So I was playing a pandemic. And in a way, I think um, I was personifying yeah. death. And I, I think that that character could have really used a medium <laughs> to figure out why so dark, why yeah. so... That's kind of a weird choice. And I'm sure that the second this interview's over, I'm gonna think of the better one in text. Uh, one performer that you've run into backstage that's left you starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> Back, it has to be backstage. It can be on oh. stage, doesn't matter. Um, I worked with Hugh Jackman and that like literally just his eyeballs. I, I, I <laughs> in his eyeballs. What about his eyeballs? Say it again. I lose myself in them. I and not even like in a oh you're so handsome way. It's just he's mesmer. He yes. is a special. He's special. He's green. Like he buzzes. Yes. When I'm when I when I'm around him, which is only I'm saying it like it's been a lot. Um. It was like zzz, yeah. something in there keeps. It's like a, he's got a motor going that we don't all have. That when I see someone and I if I can see their energy which isn't all the time. His is like, it's coming out of his face. Like, it's like, he's got a vibrance that, a yeah. vibrancy, a vibrant, he's vibrant. He's a high vibrational being for sure. High, 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 high. Yeah, it's very exciting. So you guys at home, when Broadway is back, I can guarantee you Sarah Meal will be in a Broadway show. Look her up. I will give you her, her social, uh, her, her Insta handle on here. Look her up support her and i know that we will see you back on a broadway stage very soon so i want to thank you so much and um i'll talk to you soon thank you i miss you already <laughs> i miss you too bye-bye <laughs> hi everyone i want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode i hope you enjoyed if you want to learn more about stage door medium please feel free to give me a follow at stage door medium on instagram stagedoormedium.com and on youtube stage door medium as well I hope you're well and we'll see you soon.